Howdy, I'm Paul Isaacoder, and this is Author's Dozen, a podcast where I explore barriers to storytelling by writing one novel every month for 12 months. Please enjoy. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I was just doing my theme song. I hope you had a solid Easter. Mine, I spent writing. Not because I'm desperate to meet deadlines or anything, though I am also that, um, but because I don't really have much else to do and because I wanted to do it. Um, last week, I ended on a Patreon question that bugged me a little bit. Not because it was a bad question per se, but because it reminded me that I'd said that the best reason to write is because you enjoy it. And it occurred to me that I should be a little bit more clear about that. What is it that I mean when I say enjoy? And how does that definition dovetail into turning your spark of an idea into a whole dang complete book? As I record this, the big and only thing that anyone anywhere is talking about is whether that dress is colored black and blue or white and gold, am I right? No, of course, everybody's talking about the coronavirus. And aside from conspiracy theories and the upheaval of the economy and the like deaths, there is a really interesting conversation to be had about why people do stuff. Why does one person see all this shelter-in-place isolation as a nightmare and another as a dream? It comes down to what we say when we say enjoy. Imagine a woman who is cooped up at home for the next few weeks with nothing to do but file for unemployment and apply for jobs that don't exist. Imagine two versions of this same woman. One believes that there is more to life than her own personal happiness, and the other does not. Which one do you think will end up being more productive? Before you go thinking that I believe one is inherently better than the other, I'd say that this entirely stands on your point of view. One of these hypothetical women is going to be productive in trying to produce her own happiness. The other is going to be productive in achieving a certain mission, which has very little, if anything, to do with their personal happiness. One of these women is going to lead the fuller life, and which one it is entirely depends on your worldview. If happiness is truly all that there is to life, one would be foolish for working any more or less than would bring about such happiness. All else being equal, what would it matter if the pleasure seeker is moral or amoral in being loved by her neighbors and peers, in being rich and powerful and well-traveled, good at finding out what color a dress is. If happiness is the sole barometer of life's worth, one should work exactly as hard as is likely to bring the most amount of pleasure. Anyone who does otherwise is a fool. But... If there's something other than happiness in this life and beyond, we end up being productive in an entirely different way. The woman who believes that there is more to life than her own pleasure will be productive in ways that would make zero sense to a materialist, and might actually seem to the materialist to be counterproductive. This woman may do a good deed in secret, thus decreasing the material and sociological pleasure that comes from doing good. This woman may actually do things to the benefit of her enemies. This woman who believes in things outside of her own happiness may do things that are productive towards her mission and counterproductive towards her own happiness. At this point, you might be asking, 
Which one of them is capable of using their time to produce good work from the good spark of their good idea? The answer depends. Perhaps society is arranged in such a way that the hedonist, and I use that in its neutral form, um, or the materialist may obtain their greatest possible happiness by honing their good idea into a good structure. And for some things, such as technological breakthroughs, businesses, and the stock market, our society rewards someone handsomely for their investment more often than not. Um, however, we dedicate very little of our material rewards to the social workers, teachers, philosophers, and historians. Gray lines separate the two, but a uh, Randian objectivist would have a pretty clear path to happiness at this moment in time. Lie, cheat, steal, kill, win, everybody doing it. If you're looking for personal happiness from a materialist point of view, I wouldn't recommend writing as a profession. I really wouldn't. But a funny thing happens with that second woman who believes that there's something more to life than her personal happiness, some mission, some goal. Um, and what happens is she ends up being happy. Pursuing that mission and goal will make her happy. You may believe that I'm making a moral statement here. I'm really not. That second woman may believe in globalism. She may believe in nationalism. She may find purpose in liberal or conservative policies. Most evil in the world is propagated by people who sacrifice their own happiness in order to bring about a twisted version of goodness. Most good in the world is held up by some degree of self-aiding materialism. What I will claim is that both of these women stuck at home with little to do will engage in behaviors more likely to bring about their attendant purposes. And if you find yourself not being productive, I would urge you to step back and ask yourself, for what purpose am I being productive? The materialist woman will be productive until reaching a certain level of happiness, whereupon she begins to see diminishing returns for the pain of her labor. The woman on a mission, however, will be productive far past the point where it's personally advantageous for her, simply because she's working toward a fixed point, and the working is the happiness. Perhaps you think you know where I've been going with this. I assure you, nothing could be further from the truth. There is a fashionable type of biographical film that comes out every month or so that describes the journey of one famous genius or another, and that film invariably shows that the life of this famous person ends up being rather horrible and unappealing in a lot of ways, but that this journey is ultimately worthwhile, the movie says, because it brought us a famous song or a trip to the moon or something. People like that kind of movie. They like to watch... You know, Neil Armstrong being so sad about going to the moon. Um, but, you know, it's worth it. It's great cost, and it's a great reward. But there's something odd about walking out of a movie with that kind of message. What's odd is that we don't immediately go up and sign up to be a war hero. We don't form a famous musical group or build an Iron Man suit. Some of us do, but most of us walk out of that movie pretty much wanting to do with our lives what we'd been doing before. Only extremely so. The character in the movie is not operating solely based on hedonism. Neither is that character operating solely based on purpose. Remember, I only asked you to imagine one woman. That is to say, she contains both ideas, both viewpoints. 
the woman seeks happiness outside of her mission, and the woman seeks happiness inside of her mission. The woman believes that there is more to life than happiness, but that does not mean that she doesn't believe there's any less to life than happiness. The desire for comfort and pleasure can get you moving, and so can the purpose. The purpose-driven life walks hand-in-hand with the life driven by happiness, by comfort. You're not a machine, neither are you an animal. So what keeps the fire burning? Is it pleasure? Yes. Is it to accomplish something greater than pleasure? Heck yeah. Um, So this Easter, I took the small idea for a cat detective in the underbelly of LA and warped it into a story bigger than the spark. So don't imagine me like always gleeful uh, while I'm typing or, you know, always totally dutiful, just with a grimace on my face, you know? Don't imagine me like that, you know? Imagine both at the same time. Some kind of weird two-face thing. Tommy Lee Jones, baby! But, like, what do you think? I don't know. you're, You're stuck at home. What are you doing with your life? Because I think to the degree that I'm disappointed with myself about not writing or whatever, I think that's the degree to which I think my life has a purpose. And the degree to which I actually don't do all the writing and the, you know, podcast recording that I want to do, I think that's the degree to which I find value in my own personal happiness. And man, I don't know, there's there's a balance there. I think that to, like, single-mindedly dedicate yourself to exactly one goal in your life is really inauthentic and sort of ignores that there are other sources of goodness out there than the one you've personally decided to dedicate yourself to. Um, But to just, like, I don't know, just to revel in, like, the pleasure of the moment or whatever, I, I really can't see getting to the end of life and being like, oh, yeah, that was great. Candy Crush. Every day. All day. It was it was great. I'm, like, so dang ecstatic that I only ate, like, butter and chocolate chips all day long forever. That was really great of me, and I feel happy. So, like, if you don't want to take my word for this, I'd suggest looking up a few, like, thought experiments. Uh, one is the... Uh, theory of like the hedonic treadmill this idea that like you just keep seeking pleasure upon pleasure and just the the amount that you need keeps growing and growing Um, there's also this idea of like the experience machine you can look it up on wikipedia it's it's really fascinating because some people like if you ask them hey if you could be plugged into a machine right now matrix style where you just experience pure happiness all the time forever like would you take that would that be like the most valuable kind of life you live and most people say like no i'd I'd rather live in the real world i'd rather like i mean even if it's kind of crappy there is something outside of happiness that i desire so i don't know but maybe the maybe that interviewer didn't ask you, and maybe you're like, yeah, plug me in, brosif. Is this like all sounding too vague and like out there to you guys? Did you tune in to like get you know, oh hey, this is where you put the rising action and the falling action, and this is where the hero's journey 
does three somersaults and climax resolution.com. I'm not, I don't know. I like you, you, you got to learn this stuff first. Like you really do. You can have all the structure in the world. You can have like a, a perfect sort of like calendar system where you say like, Oh, X thing I'm going to do at X time, whatever. Those are useful, but only once you have the idea down that you're like, oh, my life has X purpose, and so I'm going to do X to get to it. I I really, you know, I really will get into the nuts and bolts of like storytelling um, in this series, but you gotta get this stuff first. That is my opinion, and uh, if you don't if you don't subscribe to that, you're wrong, and go away go home to poo-poo land. And you know what's like massive weird and poo-poo is that uh, we we need some more iTunes reviews. I don't know what that means. Um, we, we have like 26 iTunes reviews right now, um, which is as much as we had back in January, and it's not January anymore. So if you could go over and like rate it five stars, like, like you won't you won't hear me rambling about like this is my podcast I gotta do what I want kind of thing you know I'll do whatever you want me to do please five stars you know what I'd even do I'd even post free books and podcasts online that's what I would do uh, so please please go over and rate me five stars please.